podcast growling, mean and angry, hear that local shouting, it's Daner and Dave Ninimitz. It's Daner and Dave Ninimitz. All right, welcome to the latest edition to hear that podcast growling. Paul Daner Jr., Dave Ninimitz of The Athletic. Uh, excited to be with you here as we roll through the offseason. The Super Bowl is set, Dave, and um, cool. I just, <laughs> isn't it the ultimate? Like, this matchup just feels like the, okay. Yeah. Sure. Hard, hard to get excited unless you're a fan of one of those teams. Yeah. Today's show, um, going to be fun. I, I hope we mentioned this last week and – we had the news with Brian Callahan and then Dan Pitcher happening, but all that was going on, so we kind of focused. But the mock offseason dropped last week, and shout out to you guys who have gone after that thing in droves and <laughs> sent me your screenshots and emailed, and I love it. I love it. Um, it's been awesome. I'm going to dive further into some of the decisions in the, and things that you guys did and some of that in, in writing a little bit later, but today I wanted to kind of go through what I think turned into the most interesting things and, and the plotting of the off season and do that through Mo Egger, of course, and James Rapine from locked on Bengals and SI and all the things and enter the jungle, you name it, uh, are, are coming, are, is going to come on. And the three of us are going to kind of go through our takes on some of the most interesting parts of the mock off-season exercise and um i found it fascinating to do this year and i recommended everybody do two of them one with and one without t higgins and just to see the dramatic difference and so we'll dive into that and a number of other things with mo and james here in in a little bit so we've got we've got that coming keep an eye out for that way um i want to get through some news here first uh the senior bowl is going on right now the Bengals personnel staff is down there i Caught up with uh, Director of College Scouting, Mike Potts, and Director of Pro Scouting, Stephen Radicevich. Uh, of course, you guys know them well if you read me or listen to this program, the massive role they have in the organization underneath Duke Tobin. Um, talking a little bit about the approach to the offseason. Look for that coming your way here very soon. They're down there. But the Senior Bowl kind of gets draft season and the full offseason kind of kicked off right now. Last week, we talked about Brian Callahan to the Titans as head coach. Um, He gives his introduction news conference there, and we've seen a million of those over time. But I thought there were a few really interesting things from Brian there. Um, One, it was very striking to me that he got very emotional once he started talking about Cincinnati. And specifically when he tried to talk about Mike Brown and said, Mike Brown's one of the best people I've ever met. And, and I thought, and that being kind of what choked him up, I, I I thought was a really telling thing. And um, that is something that most people don't get to see. And I don't, you know, a lot, I mean, I don't even know that I truly have seen that. Um, but man, I tell you, if I've heard, I've heard so many stories that are kind of like that from people that are inside the organization that have gotten to know him, that have had to work with him, that have gone through major decisions that 
feel that way and they get almost emotional about that. And I think it shows um, a little bit about how, how his influence is sort of viewed within the building. It's not this reign of terror that you kind of hear (laughs) about owners and some other organizations. It's this like kind grandfather, uh, you know, figurehead, if you will. And I mean, that's been kind of history with coaches. You never really hear coaches leaving here, regardless of how they leave bashing him. I mean, it seems like he tends to have a good relationship with the coaching staff. Isn't it kind of funny, though, that, you know, for all the years he's been bashed for this or that, it's like the league has kind of made him a better owner because of these monsters and other markets. Yeah, you know? I think so. No, I think so, is that you see the difference. It it, yeah. it makes now. Mike has his, you know, there's a there's a yeah, but to everything there. <laughs> right. Obviously, right. I mean, he is who he is as far as a businessman and negotiator. But I do feel like this is 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 more is will probably be more his legacy to those that know. And yeah. uh, and I think that's really cool when you see that kind of come out in, in somebody like Brian. I mean, but it wasn't just Mike. It was everybody. It was sort of yeah. the whole organization. And I thought. You know, him talking about wanting to try to find a way to recreate that in another place is what a tree looks like. People, oh, Zach Taylor's tree, right? We got a branch (laughs) now, working on leaves over here, right? But I think that's more what it is. And I've said this a lot about the McVeigh tree is is it's about, yeah, there's scheme stuff or whatever, but it is so much more about the McVeigh culture stuff Mm -hmm. And connecting with young people and and being this coach that is feeling like it's always trying to really cultivate relationships with players and not be more of a f- old school football disciplinarian, um, even though still using real you know real kind of blunt talk, has been a real really what it was. I heard that the day that I talked to Andrew Whitworth at the Super Bowl uh, when the Rams were there when Zach Taylor was not even the Bengals head coach. That was what he said. He's like, it's not about the scheme or any of that stuff. It is about a different way of approaching organizationally, of communicating, of of building a team, of the culture. And Zach Taylor came here and he said, the biggest thing I took from L.A. was all of that. That changed my view on how this should look. And Brian, you hear that there. I mean, that the way that it makes him emotional to talk about Cincinnati and and the players and the people he worked with and the, and the relationships he developed, that is the type of thing I think that grows. And that's what you're selling yeah. uh, as much as you're selling scheme or, or X's and O's or any of that stuff. And I think I, I thought that was something that kind of resonated for me. If you, if you were kind of listening to Brian there. Well, I think that's why you're not seeing teams fall over themselves for Belichick and Vrabel and these kind of old school hardline guys. And when you watch, if anyone watched, hard knocks with the dolphins you see how mike mcdaniel handles his players and what he got out of tua was a lot of that kind of treating people a little bit better you kind of wonder if that's why vic fangio has gone from there is he kind of didn't fit with that culture so there's a guy who's great with scheme and everything but the players didn't necessarily love him um i think you can go too far that way too i think you can make it too soft on guys and and players are different than they used to be that the Patriot way doesn't necessarily apply to guys, but that is, that's a positive, I think for Cincinnati for Callahan to be that, that 
you know, thankful and grateful for what he had here. So if that is the tree growing, that's a positive thing, I think. Yeah. I mean, I go back to Jesse Bates and Von Bell. We really emotional last year talking about thinking that this was the end of their time here, creating that yeah. connection and what that means in the locker room. A lot of that's a product of winning, um, but also yeah. it is a product of of an environment that sort of builds that. Um, Dan Pitcher is was uh, he's saying he's offensive coordinator now. We talked to him on Thursday, I believe, last week, and it happened quick. His press conference was actually before Brian Callahan's. <laughs> that was crazy. Um, if you want to know sort of uh, the the wheels being in motion aspect of that, um, it, really the Bengals left no doubt. Dan Pitcher left no doubt here. This is what they wanted the whole time. We talked about the the tour and the possibility of Pitcher entertaining other. That's what that was. I mean, that was keeping your options open, but wanting the Bengals to be the place. The Bengals made that um, aggressive move in, in keeping pitcher and he stays and sort of the the transition that has been in place that has been there ready to go for really two years now takes effect and and you heard pitcher talking about you know I wrote about this last week but you know there was no real talk or caring about calling the plays somewhere or or being a, a the uh, the head of for a defensive guy and and kind of oh, it was about no I I, I want to put keep my career in a place that matters to me with people that I trust and everybody that gave me advice said don't go leaving burrow yeah <laughs> you know he's like everybody I respect dropping in came in and said the same thing it was you don't want to go leaving Joe burrow Keep yeah. hanging on to that as long as you can, and things will go well for you. And I think that's kind of where that ended up uh, for Pitch in, in what I think for him ended up being a very easy decision. Yeah, and when you look at those other options he had out there, there was nothing like Joe Burrow waiting for him. You know, it would be one thing if you're going off to the Chargers or something and you're going to work with Justin Herbert or something like that. But, yeah, I think you – I think you hang on to the good quarterback because good quarterbacks are going to make coordinators' lives a lot easier. They're going to they're going to keep you in the cycle, baby. <laughs> okay, yeah. Joe Burrow will keep you in the cycle, keep you looking good, and keep people paying attention to the work that you're doing. Um, the other thing that sort of has circulated a little bit, I want to address was, uh, you know, the idea of that it was out there. I, I think it was people say, well, Lap, Lap was saying that he heard that that Zach was considering giving up play calling next year for Brian if Brian Callahan had stuck around and and as far as I know it that's pretty blown out of proportion um where sure you have these conversations about the best way to do things happen all the time mm-hmm. uh okay what well, how can we improve our structure how can we do something five percent better how, how can this work better and when when you're so there can always be conversation. I don't think that was a like Zach Taylor's doubting his ability to call plays. That is just false. Okay, um, it, it's about always being open to ways to improve whatever you're doing. So I I just I, if you've seen that a lot of people have heard that. I know that's around. Um, I can only say that I, that's a little much um, to to give that much run beyond normal conversations um that always occur and and again you know and pitcher was very vocal about the 
collaborative play calling stuff and seeing that work here and pointing out that's just not the way it is a lot of places where it's it's a dictatorship and it's one dude standing there saying i am the one i am the creator i shall make the calls i shall reap the glory it's that's just he's like when i see that in motion when i've seen it with my own eyes i've been a part of it i've felt influential i've felt my voice heard I've been able to do all that stuff. That's something that you want to stay a part of and why you don't care about the stuff like the play calling stuff. And that was a big point of what he said in in why he stayed here and, and everything else. And so um, I think all of that is, is, is a big part of that. And it's about, you know, the, the, the people that already exist here and confidence in, in what everything will look like. Unlike this podcast, where it is one man just making asserting himself, yeah, yelling at the underlings, making them feel bad about themselves as often as I possibly can. (laughs) There is no question about it. Uh, (laughs) Well, on that note, um, we will shift. Time to shift to mock off season mode. The mock off season out here. It just. We just really needed to attack this thing. You you guys as listeners have gone above and beyond attacking it. So I wanted to go above and beyond our analysis of it. And that meant adding one to our standard rotation. Of course, Mo Egger is here in his normal spot. ESPN 1530. Mo, what's up? How are we doing? Doing excellent. Uh, are you? Are, were you frustrated by this or did you not find it frustrating this time? Do I have to apologize to you? I found this shockingly easy. In oh. fact, it's so easy. I think I did something wrong. If I didn't, I should be a capologist slash general manager. I'm going to throw my hat in the ring in Los Angeles. Don't hire that dude from the Browns. Yes. If I didn't screw this up, not only should I be a capologist slash general manager, I think I could come in and handle everybody's family budget. <laughs> well, wow. I'll take your. I'll take any assistance I could get. I that could get said, on that. I fear I have done something wrong, so okay. we're gonna work through this. That's how I feel after every time I pay a bill. Like I just <laughs> feel like, oh no, this was this couldn't be right. Um, but on top of that, we we went to a great friend of the program. You know him from Locked On. You know him from Sports Illustrated. You know him from Enter the Jungle. He's he's everywhere. He's James Rapine. What's up, buddy? What's up, guys? How are we? We're we're doing good, and I I uh, maybe have to apologize uh, in the past to Mo, but now it's too easy. Maybe the pendulum has swung too far. Was this too easy, or have the Bengals just put themselves in too good of shape? Uh, according according to this, I don't think it's easy by any stretch. No. There are a lot of paths to go. Yes, uh, I, I I the the problem is is you. It could look really good right now. It needs to look really good like 363 days from now. Yeah. Getting the Bengals to the AFC title game and then them being able to execute to get to Super Bowl 59. So I I think that's the challenge because everyone knows that follows my stuff. I love weapons, and I think wide receiver is as valuable as it's been in the history of the league. And yet you could totally argue for the tag and trade T and in what that money could do to help this yep. team. So I, I think it's I think it's tough. I think it's really tough. Let's start there. I don't know how you can't. Like it's it is so what I found this year, more than maybe any year we've done this, you know, this is our fourth year doing it. I've never felt 
the perspective more in my bones rather than doing two sheets, one with T and one without T and using the tag and trade scenario on one side and the other side keeping him on the $21 million tag and just seeing the dramatic difference in how you can build. First of all, Mo, which one did you do? I tagged him. Yeah. I okay. tagged him and I kept him. 21 mil. Um, You're in. Well, because I also, I did this at the the desk I'm sitting at right now, and there's a door right there, and I didn't want Joe Burrow to come walking through that door, banging his fist on my <laughs> table, asking if I ignored his postseason press conference. Um, no, I, I'm I'm going to run it back. It's it's a lot of money. Correct me if I'm wrong. The the little the little spreadsheet didn't give me tag and trade as a specific possibility. No, no, right? I, no, right? no, it didn't. So I will be extraordinarily interested under this mock scenario. Once I tag him, what offers do I get? Now I'm going to lean towards keeping them. There's one thing that I know works, man. It's Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, and T. Higgins being together. Those are high-end weapons. Uh, if there's, there are a lot of reasons why the Bengals had the success they had in 2021 and 2022. For me at the top of the list, it's that trio. I did explore financially what it would look like if I didn't, but I'm tagging him. I'm bringing him back for a year. We'll let <clears throat> the fallout sort of play itself out. Maybe it's similar to Jesse Bates. Jesse came back and played in 2022. T's going to come back and play in 2024, and we're going to run it back with that trio. James, did you do the same? I I think it's interesting because I did one with it and one without it in that yeah. first round pick, man. I we're early in draft. Yeah. But it's like, oh, well, if you could get an asset for T, right. put that into the defensive line and also have Brian Thomas. Yeah, add in, add in, say, you know, you could go to Carolina as number 33 or something is probably a legit one I've been uh, is, is probably yeah. one you could plot in as an average recoup. Yep. And so it's tough. So I did one with one without, Yep. but I'm a weapons guy. I know what T is. I don't know what Brian Thomas is. I, I think T Higgins is extremely important in this offense. And Mo makes a good point. Joe Burrow is the most important guy in the building every time he's in the building. And even when he's not in the building, he's still the most important guy in the franchise. So if he wants T you better have a really good plan to replace T. And that doesn't mean a draft pick that there's question marks around. Like it, it'd be one thing if I brought in Mike Evans, right. And went that route and you said, Hey, we're bringing you uh, a proven guy. The Bengals aren't going to do that. He's much older than T. So I, I think you tag T and I, I think that's what I would do now. You can't do it in the sheet. I would tag and trade him probably, yeah. which means we're going to have to tell Joe, no, which is something he, he's not used to hearing. But that's probably what I would do if the Bengals hired me to to be GM right now. But for the the sake of the sheet, I kept T Higgins. Well, I mean, I think you can take the no T sheet and add in whatever that draft pick. You can add in you can add in whatever draft pick you think you're going to get for that. You know what? Maybe it's whatever that is. It's probably it's something in the value of an early two, probably. Um, and and I think when you do that, it's it's just remarkable. I, I, what I think is interesting is you have some Bengals philosophies that we know stand, and that is, you know, they don't want to go all in for now. They want to build sustainability. Okay, well, 
tagging T is an all in for this year type move because you can build a crap load of sustainability if you go the other direction when you're talking about adding picks, when you're talking about signing more free agents under multi-year contracts that you can believe in versus 21 million for one year of one guy who who is great in all of that uh, versus also one big swing versus you could drop in multiple mid-tiers uh, mid-tier free agents, which they've had so much success with before. And they've talked about the, you know, the pitfalls of paying all a bunch of money to one guy versus adding three or four that can help you. We've heard that for these things are kind of pitted against each other in this decision. And again, I think we know what direction they're going to go. We know they're leaning towards, towards tagging T and there's a lot big ass expectation that that's where this thing's going to end. But I, when you look at it like this, I don't know what you guys got. When I went T versus no T, I mean, I added, um, let's see, I added Michael Owenu, Noah Fant, Zach Moss, and Keon Coleman at 33, my, you know, T clone in the draft, all for the 21 million. <laughs> and that's damn tempting because you're still mm-hmm. then have your top pick in round one available to take defensive tackle offensive line whatever you want to do when you think of all of that it's it's you know i think it's interesting when you pit those two things against each other of all in versus sustainability from a team that has claimed sustainability for a long time yeah you and i talked about this paul you know the parallels between t higgins and jesse bates i don't want a similar situation to play out where we just go you know what uh let them roll and and not not that they're going to extend him or that they should extend him let them go take uh take the 21 mil and spread it across your team and then go watch T play 17 games and maybe be the best wide receiver in the sport mm-hmm. while we struggle to throw the football with a new offensive coordinator. Who's not going to call plays. Um, I want to give Dan pitcher Jamar chase and T Higgins and say, let's see what you can do, big boy. And, yeah. and then go from there. I'm trying to win the Super Bowl this year. And I, I think keeping that trio together, represents my best chance of of doing so yeah i i agree and that that's that's why to me it's it's funny when you see deshaun watson or sauce gardner these guys throw out the idea t will not be a free agent no right unless you're you're giving up something (laughs) not being a free agent so whether you you tag and trade him or you tag him and keep him around i think we can all agree there that the bengals have to even if it's for a week, absorb that 21 plus million dollar cap hit. And ideally they could get a long-term deal done that has a structure that works for everybody and everybody could feel a lot better about it. I don't feel like that's going to happen when, because we do know that again, the Jesse Bates parallels and what they're dealing with on that side. Um, But that said, that's probably the best case scenario um, is finding a way to make that work. Cause then you have some of the room and you're keeping T through his prime with, with Jamar chase and, it's, I mean, it's a it's a risk, but it is the direction that the league is going. That's what I would. By the way, that should still be the goal. To be very clear, I'm sure it is the goal. It's just realistically, yes. we just know how this is probably going to go. What do you think it would take? Like, if they offer him four for eighty eight, the first two years would have to be guaranteed. He would want that second year guaranteed. I mean, you'd have to get to the high guarantee number. That's yeah. what they're going to focus on. That's what that's what Jesse focused on. That's what that that's what you know, his camp focuses on is, is that, and I think that's going to be the thing here is, is I don't know that they're going to be willing 
to go there. And, and we'll see. Maybe they maybe they are. And and it's going to be a, probably at some point on T to say, you know what, staying here is going to be worth it to me to give a, give in a little because I I don't think the Bengals are going to feel like they even have the wiggle room to give in when you consider the contracts that they have. Well, the internet has told me, and you know, I. I formulate a lot of opinions based on what the internet has told me. I was going to do a sheet based on what the internet told me. Internet sheet is yeah. going to happen, but but I but I didn't. But the internet has told me that like Jamar is going to take a deal that like makes him uh, a league minimum player, uh-huh. and uh, Joe <laughs> is going to come to the Bengals and give back much of his guaranteed money. And you know, T, I, I think I think T is going to play for like a pro shop gift card. So according <laughs> to the internet, these guys are so uninterested in money. Um, that they're basically combined going to play for essentially my salary. So this is awesome for the Bengals. We should do one of those spreadsheets. Yes, huge win, huge yeah. win. Uh, yeah. So, so with with that conversation now kind of out of the way, mm-hmm. uh, Mo, what was what in your opinion was your biggest move? What did you feel like? What was your what was your biggest move here that you made on your? I sheet? I, I I found the wiggle room to throw a lot of money on the defensive line. Mm-hmm. Now, this exercise didn't allow me to do something that I think they should entertain, which is to kick Sam Hubbard inside permanently. And then I would go address edge. Um, but I have ended up somehow, and this is why I think I might have made a mistake. I still have DJ Reader. I have Javon Kinlaw, and I have Sheldon Rankins. And I still have some money to spend, and I've also spent some money on the offense. Um uh, now, I've created this wiggle room because of the cuts I've made. Should we talk about that? Sure. Go ahead. All right. I've cut B.J. Hill. That's $7.5 million. Mm. Ooh. B.J. Hill I've, cut. Yeah. I've, I've cut Joe Mixon close to $6 mil, and I've cut Nick Scott, mm-hmm. who in the second half of the season, I kind of thought he was cut anyway. So I, I've lopped off a significant amount of 2023 payroll, and I've applied it to – uh, the, the defensive tackle spot. Look, we all want DJ Reader to come back. Um, you know, maybe the injury makes him a little bit cheaper. He certainly has talked talked with you, Paul, about a desire to come back. But if I want to make the interior of the offense of the, of the defensive line significantly better, am I just bringing back the same old dudes? No, I, I, I no. I'm going to bring in some guys from elsewhere. So I've done that uh, in free agency. I like what B.J. Hill has done. He represents one of the the more shrewd trades that the Bengals have ever executed. I'll never forget his pick against the Kansas City Chiefs in the uh, AFC Championship game a couple of years ago. But if I if we talk so much about areas that have to get better, okay, if they have to get better, then they have to get different. So we're doing that with B.J. Hill, and uh, somehow, some way, I was able to afford a whole bunch of other guys. I tried to make the math work where I could do what the internet wants and bring in Chris Jones, but uh, mathematically that doesn't work. <laughs> no. So um, that's what I'm doing on the, uh, on the defensive tackle. Interesting. The BJ Hill, Hill cut is, 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 is a move that we, I saw some of that. And I do think you probably can make an argument for it when you start. Okay, fine. But we're, we're, I am paying a massive upgrade and using that seven and a half to go towards the dominant three technique, or I guess mm-hmm. in your case, a couple of guys as as a wave. So uh, that's interesting, James. What do you? What is your biggest move? I think it, it's odd. There, you would think that I would have these this crazy move and have the Chris Jones in there. I, I don't think they're going to do that, and I I probably wouldn't do that either if I'm them. I, I think they attack defensive tackle the way they attacked cornerback after the 2020 season. 
And in that offseason, what did they do? They take that William Jackson money, which, my God, Washington, what were you mm-hmm. thinking? <laughs> and you turn it into Mike Hilton and Chidobe Awuzie, which are two of the best free agent contracts they've given out, certainly during this run, but really ever, well, considering the value they've gotten and they received. So I don't bring DJ Reader back. And I think that that's very – it's realistic. I, I, mm-hmm. I think there's a chance he comes back. I also think the Bengals may look and say, all right, we could pay him this, but we don't know when he's going to be healthy, even though he still is a game wrecker, a game changer when he's out there. Let's get younger. And so I signed Grover Stewart and Tierra Tart, kept B.J. Hill. Those are, are the three interior linemen. Stewart is fourth rounder, young guy uh, fr- from Indy. He's performed pretty well. And then Tierra Tart's a guy they claimed and they wanted to add mm-hmm. late in the season. And, who knows, right, as far as character goes and the reasons why he was cut by Tennessee. But those are, are the three defensive linemen that I ended up with. Defensive yeah. tackles, at least. No, I think that's – I mean, you can make a a big argument for that. And Tart in particular, or and then you can throw – I mean, you had Rankins, Mo. I mean, all those, these, all those mid guys under that, that philosophy that you're talking about, James, the one that they have utilized – often um in free agency and on that side of the ball makes a a ton of sense i didn't do that i think christian wilkins is this year's dj reader i i would do it i a lot of money paul no joke no joke but look he is a multi-year captain he is 28 he has Played in a championship program at Clemson. He is dying to win. He's got big energy. He is reader plus. I mean, and I I think you can count on that continuing. I, you know, I don't think he's a contract year splash. I mean, he broke out as a pass rusher this year, but I think he's he's shown you everything you need to see. And I know it's a lot of money, but they need to be bold in there and particularly with someone who can stop the run and give you more. I just think the same way they were bold in signing DJ reader four years ago, this is their chance to be bold in going after the same position and his replacement, which they do not have in house. And I think it could be worth it. Give me Christian Wilkins, keep BJ Hill and into the scenario where Byron Murphy is there in the draft. I'm taking him with my first round pick and let's, freaking go is is my and then you feel like you've you feel like you've fixed it and I, that's my big move that on both sheets t no t uh is is you the direction i would go i'm going either either way i would keep t i would give damn near all the money to t and christian wilkins i just think he is the big fix at their biggest positional need um this off season and he just fits everything that they want. If you're not going to go there now, who knows if he, I mean, he could end up be, he could be the free agents, free agent, man. He could like get every dollar hmm. and they won't be able to chase it down. And that's totally, totally understandable. And then I would shift certainly to like your guy, you know, the mid tier approach and, and go that direction. But if I can get one, if there's one splash, he screams it to me. Yeah, you know, and, and and James mentioned with with DJ, you know, week one you don't know, right? And yeah. and there's the gamble. Week one, we we don't know if he's available. Uh, certainly hope he is. But that that was 
that was at least partially my motivation for wanting to throw, you know, a decent amount of money at multiple guys. Yeah. And then I want to insulate myself against DJ not being able to play the first game. I don't, By the I, way, I don't know what you got. You think James, but I don't think they signed DJ reader before. I don't know the draft. Why would you? I, I don't know who does. Right. Yeah. Why? Would I don't you? know how confident anybody is going to be and, and nor should he sign until he feels like he can prove to people that he's healthy and get more money. I He's in such a weird spot that I think the way he comes back is in May or June yeah. and he's looking healthy and, and you sign him at a, Hey, one year prove it kind of deal for a guy who's been hurt. Yeah. The, the only way that probably doesn't happen or, or certainly wouldn't happen here is if one of these young teams says, Hey, culture setter, we'll give you two years. $24 million. Yeah. See and ya. No doubt. No Which doubt. he should take. Yes. By the but, way, he would have gotten way more pre-injury than that. And that no really sucks. No doubt. And the fact that we're saying it that way, it's like, oh, well, that's way too and, much for and, DJ. And, and for him, why would you not root for that, right? Wouldn't that be awesome? I mean, if, sure. if, if at the end of what happened, that's the sort of deal he would get from a young team that signs him for those reasons. And then, and then if that's the case, if you're the Bengals, you just shake his hand and thanks for everything and – you know, now on to the next. I guess, uh, by the then, way, then, then we're not cutting BJ Hill. Okay, BJ's back. By the way, <laughs> cuts wise, condescending. Like, I know use of BJ Hill's name. I like. BJ. By the way, uh, yeah, what what's wrong with BJ Hill? <laughs> no, anyways, with, BJ with Hill Columbus is a nice Steelers rotational three technique. That's my yes. own. That's my sure. line that I use about BJ Hill. That's yes, which is, is totally fine, and that's a total fine amount of money to pay a rotational three technique. It's a very important position. Sorry, James, go ahead. Yeah, I, I think. And part of the reason why I added two different defensive tackles mid-range is because I, I don't think it takes away from the idea of taking Byron Murphy or no. taking Newton or taking one of these. Those are the, really the two as of right yeah. now. Two guys that could be there at 18. I just want to mention my cuts real quick. I did not cut BJ Hill, obviously. Uh, Joe Mixon and Nick Scott. So I cleared, what, eight eight point one million. Yeah, space. that's about been about a 90 to 95 percent hit rate on fan sheets of Mixon and Scott is like almost, you know, center square, like absolute yeah. must do's. And, and it just it makes so much sense. Um, secondary move that you really liked, uh, James, I'll start. I'll go back to you. Was there a secondary move that you did that you really liked? Yeah. Jermaine Illuminor. He, he oh, wants to, we're he, on the he same page. To, no doubt. I, I yes. honestly, I don't know why he shouldn't even talk to other teams. He should tell his <laughs> agent, talk to the Bengals and the Bengals shouldn't worry about any of these other right tackles, including Jonah, because they're not going to want to spend Jonah money on one who sounds great. And he's awesome on paper. Mm -hmm. He's probably going to get more than Jonah or around what Jonah gets. So I just don't think the Bengals will swim in those waters. I do think they'll swim in the, the Jermaine Illuminor water. And he said yesterday, what, two days ago this week, that uh, he wants to beat the Chiefs in a game that matters. Mm -hmm. There's one active quarterback that's done that, and, and his name <laughs> certainly isn't uh, Aiden Aiden O'Connell, whoever or whoever you have in Las Vegas right now. So I think Cincinnati makes sense. I feel so much better and so much smarter because I did the exact same thing. <laughs> uh, I was tempted to put first round pick there. I, I think it's the conundrum of the offseason. You know, say what you want about pro football focus rankings. 26th best offensive line in the sport. 27th in pass block win rate. The Kansas City Chiefs in pass block win rate the last three years have finished first, first, and second. 
How does an offense reach its potential if we're bringing back basically the same offensive line that doesn't have a very high ceiling? I'm not lowering the floor by putting a rookie there at right tackle. I understand that group is not going to be elite. Maybe Jermaine Illuminor doesn't make that group elite. I can't go with more youth in a year where I'm trying to win the championship if one of my issues is making the offensive line with the other four dudes coming back better. So let's go with a, maybe I, I, this is maybe a lazy way of putting it a cheaper version of Jonah Williams. Uh, I, I did this very, very quickly because I, I was tagging T Higgins. I wasn't tagging Jonah Williams. Uh, I thought for about three seconds, about first round pick saw Luminor there, saw the price tag instantly did it feel good about it. I will say Illuminor is the perfect pairing with a first round right tackle. He is the absolute perfect guy who is great for right now. He's more than serviceable to play. He's a great, I mean, he's an elite swing tackle to give you insurance. And you have a draft with a ton of big, strong right tackle types that will be available to you. One will be there that you will like probably just because of the sheer quantity of them in this draft where you can sign someone like Illuminor, you could draft of JC Latham or Mims from Georgia or any of these guys um, and plug that in as your right tackle fix as a pairing. And it makes perfect sense um, with, with a way to attack the line and keep it going. I, I'll buy this line a little bit more. I think the stats got skewed by Burroughs health and different things. I, I thought they were better than they got credit for. But I do think the, you know, the, the, you feel really good if you have that combination. I don't want a Luminor and then a third round pick or then a second round pick. If to me, if that's who they sign, I, I'm pigeonhole. I'm going to go ahead and pigeon myself. I'm going to say, screw it, pigeonhole me. First round offensive tackle. That's what I'm doing, period. Uh, because I think it's the perfect solution. Yeah. I, I think the reason you sign a Luminor is because if he is your day one, or week one starting right tackle, you're okay with that. He also has a little position versatility, can play a little left tackle. Yeah. He hasn't played if, a whole if you season need it. there. More so yeah. than Jackson Carmen can. Well, that's the thing. <laughs> it's, if you draft that round one tackle and Mims just blows you away or Latham blows you away, well, now you have this ultimate swing man that can play multiple spots, has played yes. inside before, and the money doesn't cause you not to address right tackle in the draft. If they re-sign Jonah they're not taking a right tackle no, with right. the first you, you can't because of the money that you're you're putting into that position. So I, I think it makes a ton of sense. This is probably the second easiest one as far as free agent signings go to predict uh, my easiest ones coming up. And, and by the way, my big shocker, look at this tease. It has to do with the draft. It does not have to do with free agents. Okay. That's coming up, so. R- really, really quick on the offensive line. Here's what, what I think is sort of interesting about that unit. I think Paul, you and I have talked about this James, maybe you and I have as well. They had a remarkable run of health on the offensive line, right? This yeah. year, 17 games, same five starters last year, first 15 games, same five starters. Then things unfortunately blew up year to year. That doesn't, that, that doesn't happen. So the odds are that in 2024, there are going to be injuries on the offensive line. Are they prepared? And the answer can't be yes. We don't know. (laughs) So are you going to just go, well, you know what? When invariably we have injury issues on the offensive line, we're good with the dudes we have backing up that are very unproven. Or do we insulate ourselves this year against the distinct possibility that we are not as lucky on the offensive line as we have been and address that either via free agency or with early-ish picks that you feel like could play ASAP? 
kind of why I liked uh, Awenu a lot as, you know, mm-hmm. again, as somebody is that the position versatility, if things start breaking down to, to move guys inside and out, you could even, you, you could even take an offensive tackle in the first round uh, potentially and give yourself a lot of versatility there. If, if that was a direction to really invest in protecting Joe Burrow, um, it, it would be a, a name. That's a, you know, that's an aggressive move, but if there's a place to be aggressive, that's certainly one of them too. My secondary move, and I don't know if this is surprising, um, I would sign Xavier McKinney and I would move Dax Hill to a Swiss Army knife, uh, wow. basically to outside mm-hmm. corner. And I'd have him at outside corner, maybe slot corner of the future, third safety. But I, I'd see if he can play outside corner. I'm out. Hmm. I'm out on Dax Hill. You know, let the end of last year just kind Ooh. of if I, I need to, I can't have another year of the explosives. And so many of them seem to be pinned to Dax Hill, who has multiple years in this thing, uh, not getting there. And I I can't take another chance in a year where I'm all in with T Higgins and everything else. Um, If, if I could go get somebody who's a veteran that can be the next Von Bell or the, you know, a Jesse Bates type or whatever, that can be more of a trustworthy veteran and utilize Dax Hill to give me depth everywhere now. Or and compete for outside corner. I said go compete against DJ Turner to be corner. I'm gonna try and move you out there, uh, and be, maybe be the answer to Mike Hilton in the last year of his contract. Who's, you know, who's uh, that would be my sort of aggressive move that would have I think, um, some pretty decent ripple effects through the through the locker room. My my instant reaction to that is, damn, you should have paid Jesse Bates. Yes. <laughs> Two. Don't make the same mistake with T Higgins. It's almost like an organizational thing where, all right, well, you just stubbed your toe. And if you're going to pay whatever it takes to get Xavier McKinney to make up for it, and, and you're really out on Dax, and I'm not saying you, I mean the Bengals. Yeah. Well, then stop pretending it's easy to replace these all pro level or pro bowl level players with just the next guy that comes in. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and th- so if they do that, I hope they really think about doing that in moving forward, how hard it is to replace these guys. I, I would still be surprised if they, if they went the route. I get why you do that. I don't think they're doing it. This is me. I, I No, I get why you do that. I, a lot of people are in your, your camp. Mm-hmm. And I'm just slowly buying these penny stocks. That is Dax Hill. And yeah. I, I think he <laughs> won. If he had a little stick him on his hands, he would have had five interceptions this past year. And it, it just dropped a couple. And then by the end of the year, I, you're right. I don't know what went on because it, it did not look like it did at the beginning of the year. <laughs> he felt or like he looked like year. a guy in his own head. He looked like a guy in his own head. And 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 that concerned me more than anything that happened all year. Because at For some sure. point, he's got to get out of his head. And can you count on that? In in a, or Or take a guy with every athletic trait you could possibly need and see if maybe he's better fit at it. Maybe safety just wasn't for him. And it's not like he wasn't a slot corner at Michigan the majority of the time. Maybe, maybe that's a, just a better, more comfortable spot. I, and that, I mean, we could do a whole other podcast on that. So I don't want to like, you know, I don't want to like take it over, but I just, I, that's my secondary move. Uh, I didn't I like. touch safety. Yeah. I didn't touch safety. And I, I didn't think I would. Him. I didn't yeah. think I would until I kind of just thought more about it. And that's just not a McKinney thing. I would I would look at other veterans. I have Jordan Fuller on here, whatever from the Rams, who played four years. What I mean, I, I there's, I mean, you you just I, I 
I mean, I just feel like there are it's it's worth looking if you really are buying a veteran safety to consider that move. Well, now I feel like I could have put Dax still in slot corner and been a little bit more creative with my little Excel sheet here. But yeah, I know uh, I didn't I didn't let I didn't even so make much. Mike Hilton movable, which I probably should have done. <laughs> uh, but I just felt like he's more he's so needed. I wanted to establish the fact that Mike Hilton sure. needs to be here. No question. Um, let's. Uh, was there a move you considered but didn't pull the trigger on, uh, Mo? Uh, you know, I, I I tried to get a little bit. I tried to get a, a, a create more splash a defensive tackle. We've we've sort of talked about that. Um, well, I, let me. I'll bring this up. Slot wide receiver. Yeah, I just ran it back with Tyler Boyd. Wow. Not. I got the money. I know what he is. Uh, I'm drafting a tight end in the first round. In fact, I'm taking, I got $600,000 left. I'm taking like a half a mil to a guy that I'm going to send to Athens, Georgia to provoke Brock Bowers into a fight so that character questions arise. He slides to 18. I draft him. I got Tyler Boyd back. I got T. I got Jamar. I got the best tight end of the draft. I got Joe Burrow and I'm good. Um, my friend Andre Yoshevash was not listed as a slot wide receiver possibility. I think that is an incredible abandonment of responsibility by the person who made this. Um, <laughs> you think Yoshevash should move into the slot? I, I mean, I think there's a world where Jamar's playing a lot more slot while Yoshevash is on the outside. On, I just wanted him on my sheet, man. I know. Well, you could uh, put him in there over top of T. Higgins. The slot wide receiver options, from what I'm looking for at that position, didn't do anything for me more than Tyler Boyd did. So, you know, at, at the end of. At the end of the year, you know, everybody said farewell to Tyler and talked about what a great teammate has been. And everybody has acknowledged, well, he still has something left in the tank. A team could use Tyler Boyd. Well, why can't this one? Uh, within the parameters that I'm working with here, sure. which I, I had over $7 million left when I did this, why not? It, it's not realistic by any stretch, and I understand that. But I, I had to fill that spot. I had the money. Nothing else. Nobody else did anything for me there. I want to use my first round draft choice on a tight end. What did I do with my second? I want to use my second round pick on a running back. And I want to use, what did I do with my third round pick? He's somewhere. Oh, he's at corner uh, CB three. Gotcha. So let's do it. Tyler Boyd, bring him back. That's what I did. All right. All right. For as confident as you were coming in and coming on this podcast about being a GM <laughs> and, and all of that, Man. you're going to bring back Tyler Boyd for $6 million this year. I had to do something with the damn money and I don't have to pay my goons. You're not the New go. York Knicks. One, the Bengals don't always do something with it. Just let it sit. Right. Two, but, but but I am. I do. You give me money to spend. I'm spending it. You could I have totally given it. You could have extended Jamar and Evan and made them ha two happy boys. You, you know where I'm not spending it on 83 in the slot, unless it's $2 million later in, in free agency. And he'll get more than that. I sure. man, you should just extend T. Heck, extend T. Well, I extended Jamar. I extended Evan McPherson. You did. Way, you did both. I, what did you? What else did you do? That's why I think I did this wrong. <laughs> First of all, remember I cut Mixon, Hill, and Scott. Oh, right? that's so right. That's the hill, hill cut. Yeah, the Hill cut. You cut Hill. Your for big Tyler move Boyd. was taking away more than anything. Yeah. You cut yeah. Hill for Boyd. Yeah, I cut Ooh. Hill for Boyd. I cut a rotational <laughs> defensive tackle who's probably played his best football, and I kept. Like a rotational receiver. Okay. I, all, I listened to at the end, all I listened to at the end of the year was, you know, he still has some left in the tank. Like, he, what a great guy. Like, 
Well, well, what is it? Is he a great guy that still has something left in the tank or a piece of trash? Well, like, let's pick what he is. And if we overpay a little bit to keep this core group together that has defined this team and I get a first-round tight end, I'll overpay for that a little bit if I've got the money to spend. Again, if I didn't have the money to spend, you know, no big deal. But with what I had to spend, the other options did nothing for me. So, you know, again, is it he's a great guy, awesome culture dude. He's exactly what you want. He can help everybody, and he can still play a little bit. I don't need him to catch 90 balls. I need him to be what he has been in this offense, and I still think he can. And if I've got to overpay for that a little bit, dude, let's go. Sign me up. Why not? Unless you can present a better option at slot wideout. And I'll be honest with you, nothing else that was available to me in this exercise did that for me. So I am I put it on the sheet. I'm sticking with it, and I'm proud of my work here. I like it. Be, be confident. <laughs> Here's why I would – and I love Tyler. I, but – I wouldn't do that because you just mentioned it, Paul, the, the Jamar chase in the, into the slot. Mm-hmm. You can't do that as much with Tyler. You just can't. But if you have Charlie Jones and Andre Yosevash, you can because Charlie can play slot when, when Jamar is, is playing outside. You can put Andre outside when you want to move Jamar into the slot and you become, I think, a little faster, a little more athletic right now. So that, that's the replacement. I think that's in-house with those two guys. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they just stink, but that's that, that's the route I would go. The thing that I hate, Mo, that you stole from me because it was my big splash and I thought that it was something that no one else certainly on this podcast would have is Brock Bowers, mm. first rounder. Everyone is like, oh, he's going to go top five. Well, he's not Kyle Pitts athletically. I, I, I don't necessarily think that. I think there are multiple wide receivers that are going to go in the top 10. There are multiple quarterbacks. There are multiple offensive tackles. And so I could totally see a scenario where all of these positions, these more important positions, bump down the tight end. Is, and why not? Why, why couldn't Brock Bowers fall to 18? I think that's the, if you want to paint the perfect first round pick, a lot of people are going to talk about offensive tackle. I think tight end is pretty shallow this year. And Brock Bowers is the best of three tight end classes. So yeah, if he somehow fell to 18, I think you would sprint to the podium. What if Malik Neighbors fell to 18? Wouldn't that be something? Well, <laughs> I know. Be, th- well, one of these, the, I am curious. That was the Burroughs Hurt keep yeah. losing yeah. guy. That's well, I, was. Yeah. Well, I was going to say is the receiver class is interesting now because, because oh, there's yeah. so many. Last time we saw it be this big, they fell because everybody assumed they would get one at some point, and they, they didn't all go as high. And that's how Minnesota ended up with Justin Jefferson basically at this pick. So yep. you, you you never know. So I wouldn't close the door on it completely uh, as as an option. But I think you're right, James. I I can make an argument. I'm I'm not out here to sell tight end wins as a stat. Please, that's the last thing I'm doing. But there is a certain way that the final four teams for about a half a decade now have been constructed. If you notice, Travis Kelsey, George mm-hmm. Kittle, mm-hmm. now Laporta's on and Detroit, Laporta. and they're yeah. there. We, we've seen this. Mark Andrews, Isaiah Likely breaks out. There has been a game-changing tight end in the Final Four every year. And, and I, again, I'm not selling that as the reason these teams are there, but it's not not the reason that they're there, if you will. It's certainly helping these quarterbacks be better, be more dynamic in this in today's game. So 
I think you can sell it. The hard sell for me is that the top tight end in all of these drafts is rarely the best one that becomes the most dynamic. These guys I've mentioned have not been the slam dunk. Got to do it. You know, guys that have actually blown up. You got to find one. You got to develop one. That doesn't mean Brock Bowers just because you take him doesn't mean he's going to be that guy. Uh, whereas I think you have a higher hit rate. Um, if you have like a defensive tackle, maybe, uh, or, you know, offensive line with this team, I don't know that I'd go there, but I, I just feel like you're, the tight end rate, I, I mean, it can obviously, absolutely it can hit, but I don't know that that's a sure thing. I like, but hell, I, I don't, I'm not like here to tell you the, the Brock Bowers, the detail of it, of the scouting report to, to a T, but you certainly could make the argument. You can certainly make the argument when you when you look at what else is going on. I should have um, taken a tight end last year in this historically great class of tight ends. I didn't. We're not going to make the same mistake two years in a row and take this year's version of Irv Smith. Mm-hmm. Irv, Irv, by the way, I don't think on the spreadsheet anywhere, right? Yeah, I just didn't. Okay. Bobby Hart's on there, but Irv's not. I know. I saw Bob, that. Bobby is grandfathered in. Bobby always is. For a dollar. He's Bobby an Easter egg. Be, Bobby's been an dollar? Easter egg for every year we've done this. We've kept Bobby Hart for a dollar as an Easter egg just to be. Just, just as a shout out. Oh, I didn't realize it was really a dollar to I'm, our guy. I'm, B Hart. super value. I'm taking him. super value. Depth piece. That's sure it. about that. Did we all agree? Punter's going to be a rookie. I have rookie. I, I, I mean, I, if they have an extra seven and an extra five, right? I mean, I no, no, one of them on a punter. I no seven. Not Brandon. No. To no. compete with Brad Robbins. Not Brad Robbins. They better not draft a punter again. <laughs> Their draft a punter card is gone. You can't draft a punter <laughs> after signing a free agent in Drew Crispin and you were going to develop him. Doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And, and then you draft Brad Robbins, a guy who kicked in the Midwest, and then he starts punting 22 yards. What <laughs> is going on? How did they get it that wrong? I but just yeah. fire again fire the cannon it's going to be like it's going to be like Find third someone. round linebacker they're going to draft like five seventh round punters and then there's oh, going to be a day like a lazy june day when there's not a lot going on that i do the well evan mcpherson now is going to have a, a new holder for a fourth consecutive year yeah he's on pace be? to be the best kicker in bengal's history <laughs> and they're going to keep messing around with his holder yeah Ugh. uh well gentlemen i had brad I, robbins by the way what? Wake up, Brad. Wake up, Brad. I mean. I, yeah, I'm good, man. Brad Robbins, out of nowhere, put on put on blast in the uh, – He and BJ Hill. He was a downgrade from what they had in, in 21 and 22. He How was. is that possible? He was. He never I, got the chance to blow the AFC championship game. Well, <laughs> you didn't punt good enough for them to get – No, get it's there. not your fault, yeah. Brad. But in the I last just, game against the Chiefs, he like kicks a line drive right to the dude, and he, you know, I mean, yeah, hell, he wasn't in the AFC Championship game, but he wasn't good in the games that mattered most when they needed him most. This is not me, uh, you know, and this is not a a uh, Brad Robbins stand here. I'm not like standing up. I'm just, I'm, I have rookie. I'm just saying rookie. I don't care. Someone. I had Brad Robbins. I, the I, amount I of people Brad. that put in three million dollars for a free agent punter was kind of appalling. That's a, I, I felt like there's just no way. I was kind of testing the brand, the Brad Robbins kickback. I'm I'm surprised how many people were willing to go that far. Just fine. Just Tommy Townsend. Have someone come in and compete. Tommy Townsend. Go, go yes. get you some Tommy Townsend. I mean, how bad do you think your offense is gonna be? If you're uh, signing T. Higgins, I don't need a three million dollar punter. Okay, go go for it on fourth down. All right, I'm going Dan Campbell. 
Yeah, right. well, now, now we're speaking punt. my language. No yes. punter. I, no now, punter. No punter. Yeah. What did you guys do at running back? I signed Clyde Edwards-Alaire for $2 million. Book yes. it. Joe, get it done. Yeah. That's... Yeah, it's it's a he's a he's a no brainer. I think he I thought he showed enough juice in his playing time down the stretch that you can see it, mm-hmm. and you know he's you know we've said for two years his comfort with Burrow is obvious. They were best friends at LSU. He's your he's your Samaje Pirine replacement. There is a, a one player that I love, and that's Zach Moss. I yeah. love Zach Moss as a mid tier running back, and they cut Mixon, replace him with Moss, who is exponentially more explosive, better out of the backfield, catching the ball makes more guys miss. Uh, you check all those, he is not beat up because he hasn't hardly been used as the full-time starter, but showed he could do it last year when he was doing it for Jonathan Taylor. I love Zach Moss as a, as a bargain buy in there. And I have uh, in the no T in the no T sheet. Uh, I have Zach Moss in the T sheet. I have Clyde. Got it. Yep. Makes I don't I, I don't I don't have money because I you know I gave six million dollars to Tyler Boyd. But <laughs> I, in the absence what? of that, Clyde Edwards Hilaire is a no-brainer. Uh because I gave Tyler Boyd six million dollars. And by the way, that press conference is gonna be awesome. Like oh, you, you thought he was done. <laughs> it's gonna be like when they brought Marvin back. Is that uh, Tyler God, <laughs> Tyler Boyd's music by God? That's right. I uh <laughs> I used a, a second round pick on a running back, which no, I'm not. I'm not against. I'm not against using a little. I would say third round running back. I would That's be fine. to try to get the best of that mid lot that they, you know. And and if you're going to go after that, I don't. I don't have a problem with that of going two young guys. But I again, I want to secure that protection with somebody who's been in the league and and knows that they missed that last year. I don't want to have to be putting Drew Sample back next to the damn quarterback again. I think we're both right. I think yes. it's going to be Clyde like and Clyde or some kind of free agent because you can't go into the draft. Not knowing Joe Mixon has the roster bonus. You have to make that call. So I think they'll sign someone and then be open to it in the draft because whoever it is, Clyde or AJ Dillon or Zach Moss, it's probably a one year or give, or give me this year's day three chase Brown with Clyde and chase and and off you go. I mean, look at all the, look at all the day three running backs this year, a ton Mm -hmm. of them popped uh and so there's no reason to say that strategy isn't still good um and you can feature chase brown more uh yeah i'm all i think that's a good com- that's kind of the same combo to me as the as the illuminor potential offensive yes. tackle first round combo of go go clyde and go go back to the running back well on day three would this year's version of of chase brown go unused for the first month and a half and then <laughs> hopefully not get hurt and then get used and get everybody really excited and then go unused at the end of the season would they do the same thing no, I think the rules would change a little bit if twenty eight like wasn't in the house. Like a, like, a, like a little bit of a bell bell curve with his usage rate for for the this year's version of Chase. I I haven't talked a lot about this, you know, for the because there are some that say keep mixing, and and they look at his counting stats and all of those things. Oh, good God, and 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 say, all right, we'll do fifty fifty split with Chase Brown. I don't think that would happen. Like I, I think when you keep, it's not like he's just going to be this goal line back that gets. 35% of the, the the snaps or something like that. I you're right. I he's he's been the dude here. So asking him to take a backseat to a fifth rounder and Clyde Edwards Alaire, I just I don't think he would do that. I don't, example, think, or, I don't think I don't think I don't think he would in, in Brown. I don't think he would take it particularly well, that's for sure. Um and that's not me saying he's gonna stand up and be a problem, but who would take that well? 
No, sure. you, you know that's my. I mean, who who would be like? They, they oh, oh, you're Boyd demoting me, Charlie Jones. Yeah, I mean, one insane. year after taking a pay cut, now I'm taking a snaps cut. You know, that's a tough. And, and he has an, and he's got incentives all over his contract. Uh, that's not gonna. That's not gonna sit well. I, I guess right. with 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 everything that that Joe has meant to the Bengals and and all that he's accomplished here, you can't talk about how they need to be more explosive and then bring back the back who's known for not being explosive. Like it's explosive back. isn't just throwing the football. Explosive is just the overall function of the offense. And so I, I hear about well, they've got to keep what they have on the outside because they got to be explosive. Awesome, sign me up. And then we bring back the running back who is the opposite of explosive. Those things don't mesh. So we knew this a year ago. We ran it back. He still wasn't explosive. We're going to do it again? That doesn't make any sense. So It didn't make sense last year. Joe and BJ Hill and Nick Scott can go on a vacation together. <laughs> And talk I can't about believe I, you're putting B.J. Hill in that group. I'm, I, I'm sorry. I like B.J. Right. Hill. I just, I like seven and a half million dollars that I can spend on a lot of other things. We're going to do Tyler it. Boyd. We're going to do this, uh, James. We're going to do this DJ Reader style. We are going to cut. Mo, we're going to take a nice clip, a nice social clip of Mo going after B.J. Hill. We're going <laughs> to at B.J. Hill at me, at me. We're going to send it right to B.J. Hill and let him know this guy is not here for you. Okay. That's just, how he feels. Just don't do the same with me and a, and a certain Bengals running back. He no, will be good. Yeah. BJ Hill will come back <laughs> and he will make like the fourth and one stop in the yeah. AFC championship game. You'll eat and it. Yeah. I will eat it happily. You will. You will be, then you will be added. Oh. You will be added on that. They on bring that. Every Boyd time he makes a play. He drops third and one week one. <laughs> right. Oh, that's the guy you wanted. <laughs> Yep, yeah. there it is. There it is. Uh, gentlemen, sorry, you gave so much of your time. I appreciate it. Uh, this was fun. Thanks for doing this uh, and participating with an, you know, an imperfect sheet, an imperfect uh, execution, but we made it work. We made it work somehow. It was fun. I appreciate it. There it is. There it is. Mo, me and you will talk about this more this afternoon on ESPN 1530. And of course, maybe, you can catch James everywhere maybe, on the internet. I'll have a new version by the time three o'clock gets here. It's going to be incredible. Uh, Enter the Jungle is the latest. Uh, is this week's is this week's show of Enter the Tuesdays, Jungle um, eight Eastern uh, on Cincinnati Bengals Talk and on Valley yep. Sports. Uh, by the way, I I'm getting a call right. Now. Brian Callahan interested in T Higgins. So there you go. There's another suitor. No, oh, there it is. In. I'm sure he is interested and fully aware what's going to happen to that interest. Uh, all right, thanks, gents. Appreciate your time. We will uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right, uh, again, much thanks to James and Mo. Fantastic stuff. Great breakdown. I will get to some of your guys' reactions to the sheet, and we'll get a little more in-depth into some of the topics that we dove into over the next month. Obviously, there's just a ton um, to kind of dive a little deeper in. That was a good – I thought a good surface. How did it sound to you, Dave? Did you have anything on your sheet that was uh, out of whack from some of the stuff or or maybe a little different or surprising com- from some of the other stuff that we had? Uh, nothing earth-shattering. I'm – I don't, nothing got mentioned about Trenton Irwin being the slot receiver. Oh, mm. that just feels good to me. And it's, yeah. a, it's a cheap option and we know Joe Burrow loves him. And I just think he's versatile. I think that that would give a lot of flexibility. I kind of went a little fantasy footballish, and I want Josh Jacobs in that spot. I want to spend mm. the money on a, on a stud running back who's dynamic, who would want to show the world that he's still worth all the money that he thinks he's worth. Um, and beyond that, at defensive tackle, my uh, 
my big purchase would be Grover Stewart. I think you maybe get him a little cheaper after the uh, suspension this past year, but that guy's quietly just been a, a dominator. And if you could go out and get him at a reasonable price, I think that's uh, that's pretty solid. But I I just I like Mo's idea of getting that paying that guy to go beat up or getting a fight with Brock Bowers. Drops half <laughs> stock. I I mean I, I think that's that a guy. really good use of a half. Yeah. Meal. Because I, mean, I had like a hundred grand left. I'm thinking pizza party, but <laughs> you can use 600,000 to go get Brock Bowers to drop several spots in the draft. Man, how many Adriatico's Bearcats can you get with a hundred grand? <laughs> We're going to find out, aren't we? More than a hundred. And That's Josh amazing. Jacobs is going to learn how much he likes it. <laughs> So, no, it's interesting here in the different takes on yeah, it. Yeah, I thought so I thought many different really directions. Good. That, that's just it. I do think there's a lot of paths because they do have money, as they always do. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a lot of spots open. Um, really fun. And again, going back to the very beginning to tie it up. I mean, God, boy, the difference with and without that T number, especially yeah. when you add in the tag and trade concept of okay, now, now add pick number thirty three into that mix or what again keep saying whatever that's just a, a placeholder but and and it's just so much sustainability yeah. that you can i mean you could think about i mean you could go with a two of those top those top 50 receivers um yeah. and add those in with jamar chase yeah. you are now sustainable if those guys are dudes and this team has a history of drafting dudes at receivers specifically in the second round. Yeah. And all of a sudden now you sign Jamar Chase long-term and you have those guys on rookie contracts and they turn out to be Jaden Reed and I don't know, you know, maybe it is Je- Justin Jefferson or, or one of yeah. these dudes that have turned into guys. The next T Higgins, maybe it's T Higgins. You, know, you just think about the sustainability you get from that. And now you're set. Now yeah. you're set for a half a decade with, with that stuff or, you can really kind of go for it with T. Anyway, it's all interesting yeah, it's, conversation. It's, I think what's so amazing about it is you can make such a strong case either way yeah. with this player. And, you know, James kind of went that route is he wants weapons and you know this guy is a weapon that works in your offense. And, and you know, Mo said that, that he knows when he's got Burrow, Chase, and Higgins, that works. So it's the more sure thing. But you're right. You, you could be looking at the next big thing on a very cheap rookie contract. But, and this is a bad example because they just waltzed into the Super Bowl, the Chiefs seem to have kind of thought that. And only now is Rasheed Rice kind of emerging as a guy. But they've they've had a lot of duds trying to find the guy since Tyreek Hill's been gone. So it is a little bit risky, too, that you let him go and maybe you don't get there. Maybe you have, you know, one of these guys that the Eagles have gotten over the years that are always terrible. You know, you mentioned Trenton Irwin, and people might listen to that and scoff, but it's not like this offense hasn't hummed just fine with him in that spot. Right. Um, And and you can have – you have between Irwin, Yoshivash, Jones, uh, chasing the slot. You Mm -hmm. have – you have – patches in place while a pick develops to me that would be my slot scenario is a second or third round receiver that's a slot guy because that's why he's there he's more of a slot guy and that's why he didn't go in the first round um there's guys there i think i have malachi corley on my sheet here um but there's plenty lad mcconkey brugler gave to the Bengals in his Mm -hmm. mock draft who 
if they're not instant, you know, they don't have to be the guy immediately. You can you can lean into Charlie Jones and Yoshvash and Jamar on the slot and Trent Irwin and and make all of that work because it has while you're churning the next level there at slot and and potentially finding the next tank Dell. Uh yeah. and 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 see what that looks like. So anyway, that's that's kind of my thought. Uh before we go, thoughts on the weekend? Um the Ravens play maybe the dumbest game imaginable. <laughs> that sums it up for me for the Ravens. I, I just... mean that's how the better team loses. Yeah. You no doubt. I mean, and you commit every personal is- foul. You your quarterback just starts. He just blacks out yeah. and starts making awful decisions. Yeah, uh, that he hasn't made all year. You're taking a sack to take yourself out of field yeah. goal range. You're throwing in a triple coverage in the end zone for no reason. You're you know you have all the personal foul. The Zay Zay Flowers decides to extend the ball near the goal line rather than just tucking it and diving in. He would have gotten in just fine. Uh, and he hurts his hand on his helmet on the sideline. Uh, Todd Munkin yeah. just says, "I, ah, you know what? I'm just not gonna ever run it." And and you that that's what kills me. It's I, remarkable. I mean, yeah. they just totally took the best team they've ever had and played it as dumb as you could, and still had a chance at the end of the game. Well, that's that's sad part is their defense played a good enough game to win that game. Their defense yeah. is phenomenal, and you know. It's not to say that Mahomes didn't make some nice plays and, you know, sure. obviously Kelsey had like a thousand catches in that game, but they could have won the game barring all those <laughs> 15 Baltimore, things you just Baltimore's off. defense figured it out, right? Yeah. The Chiefs found some stuff early. They found mm-hmm. some ways to move the ball. Baltimore figured it out, and that was that. We've seen Baltimore do that all year. The problem was the Ravens – well, they, the problem was they gave them three points on the personal fouls before halftime, and – to put themselves down 10 and then they freaked out in the second yeah. half and Lamar freaked out. And this was what I talked about the previous week with Houston. You worried about the moment and seizing in the mm-hmm. moment. And they did, they just took them. It was a week later uh, against, against the chiefs where it happened. Credit Spags, credit the chiefs, Mahomes. God knows we're going to hear, have that shoved down our throat for the next two weeks. <laughs> I get it. Like they, they're great. It's cool. But that was Baltimore's game, man. They just played stupid, and that's why they are not going to the Super Bowl. On the other side, <laughs> what a colossal meltdown by the Detroit Lions. Like, that is just – you will never forget it. That is no. – they the Lions fans, not that they would have forgotten what was going to happen on that day either way, but that is for the next half a century – grandparents telling their kids type of meltdown. (laughs) They hadn't been there, hadn't won in 30 years. They're up 24 to freaking seven. They're doing everything right. And then they just everything, they do everything wrong to let the Niners back in. Yeah, I I definitely, I know it's a cliche thing to say, but I definitely felt like it was a Lions lost the game more than the Niners won the game. I mean, if dude just catches that interception instead of bouncing it off his face to to get to Ayuk, mm. that alone might have been the difference in the game. If if Jamison Williams catches that, what I thought was a great pass from golf on that bomb, just goes through his hands. Mm-hmm. That could be the game. You know, we can beat up Campbell all we want. I I go back and forth on that. I think the aggressiveness is what got him there. At the same time, and there's no saying Badgley was a sure thing to make those field goals 
but I think you have to look at the team you're playing, where you're at, the situation you're in, and consider that a little bit more. I, the dumber thing was running the ball there at the end. No doubt. Um, in fact, kick the field goal there. You're going to have to onside kick either way. Save your timeouts. And get yeah. But that's all hindsight. But at the same time, in the moment, I felt like I know there were – I was kind of yelling at the team, <laughs> don't do that. So – it is hindsight, but it isn't. But man, you can't put your finger on one thing as to why they blew it. Like it, I, I mean, I remember saying the line in the moment of, "Boy, they love to run it down here, but you can't do it right. unless you are positive it's getting in." Yeah. Like because it, and you certainly can't burn a timeout. I say yeah. if you're gonna run it, you're calling the same running play yeah. twice in a row, and you're lining up quickly, and you're getting on it. The one yeah. thing you couldn't do was was pulled timeouts because it just changes everything and the ability yeah. to kick off. And, you know, the fumble by Jameer Gibbs, I mean, the drop by Reynolds, you know, the deep off the helmet, the third and goal run, that's the stuff. Not fourth mm-hmm. down coin flip decisions. That, let's not forget, Chiefs and Ravens both scored touchdowns in the championship game on drives where they had to convert fourth downs and did it. Um, that's like what you got to do. Your defense hadn't stopped a soul in the second half for San Francisco. You needed to score. They knew it. I don't have a problem with the aggression. Badgley wasn't even on the damn team in October. Like yeah. he, he's not a great kicker from deep. I'm I'm okay with all of that. I'll coin flip that. That can go either way. Be who you are. Execute it. And you can't have the drop there. The same way if he would have missed the field goal. You can't have the missed field goal there. Yeah. You got to catch it. Like what are you going to count on? You're golf connecting on an easy completion to Reynolds, which they got a guy open or a dude who wasn't on the team before connecting on a kick in that spot from 48 or 46. I think those are more coin flips. I don't have a huge problem I, with the decision-making. It's just the total meltdown yeah. of the execution errors in the second. I, I will say, and I, if there's any analytics loving types out there, they will scoff at me that, you know, we can't quantify momentum, but you can't tell me that after they got stopped on that first four down, first fourth down, that things didn't shift. I mean, it it just looked like Detroit tightened up at that point. The Niners felt like they had new life and everything changed at that point. And, but anything can change anything. That's just it. So the change after the Gibbs fumble, if they missed missed a field goal, it would have changed momentum too. So in fairness, but um, yeah, I, God, that was just hard to watch. It was hard to watch. watch San Francisco became their team that they were all year. They became inevitable and, and Detroit, didn't have the make the one play to stop the bleeding, and they tried a couple mm-hmm. times and couldn't do it. But I, I just think yeah. I it's really turned into a football guy versus analytics debate, and that really is doing a disservice to the epic errors that were made yeah. by the yeah. Lions and what San Francisco did to take advantage of those situations. Because I just felt like that has stolen the conversation because it always freaking yeah. does. Oh, away from more of what was really happening there, and that's whatever. That's fine. Um, all right, so that's uh, that's the weekend Super Bowl on deck, man. Chiefs, <laughs> Niners. I I hope Kyle Shanahan gets one. I think he deserves it. I think it's been held over his head his entire career, ever especially ever since twenty eight to three in Atlanta and calling passes and blowing it and them not being able to beat Kansas City a few years ago and so close and Jaquiski Tart drops an interception that would have sent them to the Super Bowl and would they have beaten yeah. the Bengals? That I you can just feel the weight on the other side of the country on yeah. Kyle Shanahan with this one. And I think he has proven in his sustainability over there of putting them in the conversation every year that 
he deserves to be regarded amongst the best. And there's only one thing that's kind of in his way there. And that's, uh, that's winning the Super Bowl. So I don't know if he's going to be able to do it, but, uh, that I think there's, that's to me, that's the biggest legacy thing here. I'm not, I don't need like Patrick Mahomes is going to end up with like eight rings. Like, yeah, matter if it's six or seven or eight or nine or five, like, I, it's all he's great he's one of the greatest to ever do it maybe the greatest to ever do it cool like i don't i don't need another example of that yeah and i know Bengals fans don't either no they don't <laughs> I, there's the whole notion that you know they've lost to the niners twice the super bowls but those are long in the past and not yeah. the same guys no one's cursing john taylor before they curse patrick mahomes today <laughs> exactly. if you're a Bengals fan okay uh all I'm, right i'm torn because as a seahawks fan i have to see the rams and the niners win and in a three-year span that's painful well my team doesn't even have a coach so but hey you could have a good coach i know you could have mike mcdonald you could have ben johnson i'd like that i it's it's certainly in play uh all right dave this has been a pleasure again thanks again to mo and james for joining us and all of y'all for listening and uh, we will we will talk to you next time have a good one everybody